let's just set things up and get the scene here. So the dome has been turned over, quite literally. Everyone has been destroyed, except for Lot and his daughters. Even his wife didn't make it out alive. In fact, it was quite a salty situation. And now some rumors are swirling. The magazines are talking about how Lot is quite the sinner and odd fellow. is engaged in some controversial and repulsive behavior. So Avraham wants to distance himself from that company, along with the fact that the current area and its lack of humans isn't conducive for having guests. So Avraham, who wants to fulfill the mitzvah of Orchem and do more kindness, decides to leave this area, travel to a new land, and set up shop. The Pasuk tells us right at the beginning of Parachaf, Avram left this area and he went and dwelled in Gerar. And sure enough, as we turn the page to Avraham's next chapter, another test. He comes to this place and people are immediately inquiring about his wife. It almost feels as you're reading the Psukim like, here we go again. And sure enough, she's taken captive, abducted, Avraham says that this is not my wife, it's my sister. Seems otherwise they're just going to murder everyone in sight. God intervenes, comes to Avimelech in a dream, tells him, you're messing up. This is a married woman. This is an Asius ish. Don't touch her. All the people are frightened. And then the next morning, after not a finger is even laid on Sarah Imenu, Avimelech calls Avraham. He says, why'd you do this to me? Why didn't you tell me that this was and is your wife? What did you see? Why was it fit for this to happen? And the big, bold, powerful, all-encompassing words from Avraham Avinu in response to Avimelech. And Avraham responded back. Because I said in my heart, I thought, Rak ein yiras elokim ba'mokim hazeh vaharguni aldevar ishti. I did this because there's just no fear of Hashem in this place, and they will slay me over the matter of my wife. Avram's response is immediately. You seem to be asking about my wife. If I would have told you, you would have just killed everyone and everything. You don't have any sort of fear of heaven in this place. So therefore, I had to make a quick adjustment in my plans. This is what I said. Hashem protected us. And it worked out. And the diuk is here. And it's part and parcel of one of the most famous divrei Torah ever given by the great rebel Hanan Wasserman and his Kaivitz Parshios. He's Medayak the Pasuk. He finds an inference in this Pasuk that Avram says, the reason that I did this was because there was no fear of heaven. But he says an extra word. It is rack. It is only, it is just, it is only because of that there is no fear of heaven that I did this. 
And the truth is that maybe we could ask, there are other things that will hinder a person from doing Averos, from abducting one's friend's wife. But Avram tells us that it is only because I noticed there was no fear of heaven. And Rabbi Hanan points out that the measure of a man is based on how much fear of heaven he has. He brings a Pasuk at the very end of Kohelas that we all know. And the Pasuk says that Soif Dovar Hakol Nishma Salakim Yorei Vets Mitzvah Sov Shamar And at the end we're told Kizek Kol Ha'adam Fear of heaven is all of man. And the way to read that Pasuk is that a person could have all of the other milos in the world beautiful morals and principles about what's right and what's wrong. But if he doesn't have fear of heaven, then he lacks the status of man. For that is all of man. It is just fear of heaven. And if a person doesn't have yiras Elohim, yiras Hashem, then there's no telling where he will end up or what he will do. For history has already proven itself that morals are great, principles, our values, our moral code will protect us at some level. But when there's a powerful taiva, a lust, a wanting, a craving for something, whether it's to kill, pillage, attack, for whatever reason, Sometimes morals and principles doesn't stop you and it doesn't protect. It is rack and yiras elokim. It is only that I saw you just don't have fear of heaven here. So if I gave you the wrong response, there's no telling what would happen. And every step that a person takes in his yiras shemaim, it makes him more of a man, more of a person, and less of an instinct-driven Balichayim animal. There's a different understanding to one of the most famous psukim in the Torah. Right at the beginning of the book of Genesis, we are told that Na'aseh Adam, that God says, let us make man. This is at the creation of Adam, humans. Pasuk is a bit cryptic and sounds heretical because it sounds like there's multiple people making Adam. Rashi explains to us that God was acting with humility and asking the advice of the angels, including them. And that's a powerful lesson in humility. It seems we put even suspect or maybe a suffolk heretical problem on the line to teach the value of humility. But the Zohar gives a different understanding of why the verse seems to be, including more than just Hashem. And the Zohar says, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was talking to all the creations of the world, to the animals, to the lion, to the bear, to the snake, to the scorpion, 
He was saying, Nasa Adam, let's go and make man. Everyone go ahead and nishtatev bribriyaso and put in your peace to the following creation. We're going to make the ultimate being. Every animal give your instinct, your tchuna. The shor gives the shor tchuna. The ari gives the ari tchuna. Then the nachash gives the snake tchuna. And what comes out is that the human being, when he opens his eyes, is this amalgamation, this big chalent of every single one of the animals including all of the different angelic angels, did their part, that's a Bria too, putting that inside of a human being, and this ultimate supreme being called Adam. But talk about quite the hybrid, quite the uh, duality, or the dual nature of this Bria. We have something that's angelic yet Part scorpion, part angel, part snake. And just think, Rabbi Hanan says, what type of habitat, structure, and protection a lion needs when it's in maybe the zoo or how much protection it needs not to attack humans or how dangerous the scorpion is or the tuna of a snake. And now every single one of those tchunos is inside of a human being. The human being is the ultimate mashchas. It's capable of destroying and accomplishing such terrible horrors. And vice versa, diametrically opposed to this, it's also capable of bringing to fruition the most glorious of accomplishments. How great is the shalshela shel barzel how great is the iron chain needed to subdue the evil parts of a human? How great is the protection and the yoke that the human should bear in order to rein himself in and control himself? And what is that Shalshalas Habarzel? For if Hashem gave all of these tchunas to us, certainly Hashem gave us a way to harness our kochos See to it that we use all of these tchunos and our teva for the right reason. So what is the iron chain? What makes us an Adam? It is rak yiras elokim. It is just the awe and fear of Hashem. For all other morals and DNAs, it won't last. It won't stand. It is only Yiras Elohim that will help to control a person and his raging hormone states or in his passionate cravings for something that is prohibited. To protect yourself, it takes Yerushalayim. And even with all of the Chachma of Aristotle, all of the brilliance of Plato and Socrates, Descartes or Descartes, it will do nothing to help you to assuage and calm your desires for sin and lust if that's what your brain and your body and your DNA and your snake-like 
tendencies are telling you to do. It only takes an iron chain of Yerushalayim and that, and only that, will save us. You would have killed me because I sense that there is no fear of heaven here. The most important thing that we can do to become humans is to build awe, reverence, trepidation of Hashem. Yer Hashemayim. A person needs to win over his Yetzirah in order to succeed in life. And in antiquity, in the past, it was a battle that seemed to be ferocious, but it does feel like the battle is more frequent in our generation with the quickness and the ease that which we live life with as man has in America. The battles against the eight Sahara happen frequent and fast. Maybe a hundred times a day, if not more, a person needs to wage war and win against his eight Sahara. And how can we do this? How can we emerge triumphant? Is it with Chachma? No. Chachma doesn't work. We are told it is only with developing rock hard, concrete, corporeal, tangible, touchable, authentic Yiras Shomayim. Rak in Yiras Alakim Bamakamazev Yarguni Al Dvar Ishti. That's what Avram Avinu tells us. It was pointed out by the Chafetz Chaim and Rabbi Hanan. The horrible. Other reality, the other side of the coin of what Germany was like before the Holocaust, how cultured and how Victorian and talented and upper class they were. The champions of literature and poetry, the brilliant scientists ahead of their times in psychology inventions this was the center of the world and in a few short years no in a few short months everything flipped they turned brute bestial like feral cats now totally okay and accepting of ushering millions of people into rooms filled with Zyklon B killing babies Beheading infants? Is there anything more wild and animalistic than that? Yet this was done by the most upper echelon, high class nation and society. Because Rak, Ain, Yiras, Elohim, Bamokim, Hazev, Yaharguni, Aldvar, Ishti, if it's not Yerashamayim, then your morals and your principles will do absolutely nothing if you have a passionate drive for something. Research will show you in this generation how, yes, cultured Hamas is. They're very talented in many areas. They're very forward-thinking in some of their inventions, in some of their writings. We just know that our side of the story where, of course, they are murdering innocent civilians, but... There are talented Hamas people 
sure someone maybe has morals, but of course it is absolutely pointless. It will not stop them from murdering 1,500 innocent civilians. And if you saw one of these interviews with one of these terrorists, he said that one of the captive, abducted Jewish infants that they took was crying. They couldn't take it anymore, so they murdered the infant. If you don't think that that is an absolute fulfillment of Rak and Yerasel Kimba Mokemazel, well, then I don't know what else will prove it to you. No matter how cultured or high class a person is, you love the arts, you love literature, you tuck your shirt in. You wear a collar. Nothing will stop you if it isn't Yiras Elohim, fear of heaven. How do we grow in our Yiras What is the answer? This is the age-old question. This is the crux of the sugya. We know that really... The whole tachlis of our Torah study is tshuva umaisim tovim is to become penitents and do good acts to reach a status where we are kizekol ha'adam of real, tangible, corporeal, factual, stout, yiras shamayim filled people. So I would like to give just one approach and I think it's powerful. I think there's some truth to it. And hopefully we will then be able to have this iron chain really protect us from plague and illness and egregious sins. I'd like to suggest that Yerushalayim may have some root in the word yira, which means to see. Now, I know that that's hotly debated, and there is some proofs against this, but just breaking the word down in my own head, it seems to mean yira is very closely connected to see. After the Akedah, this is the place that... Hashem was seen, Bahar Yira'eh. It definitely feels like those two concepts are easily able to be intermingled. And Yira Shamayim definitely means to see the heavens, which is unseeable. So to me, it sounds like to see the invisible is what Yira Shamayim is all about. Yira Shamayim, see heavens. It sounds like Yira Shamayim happens when the unseeable, invisible Hakadosh Baruch Hu becomes very visible and very real in your life. Brings to mind how the stipler said about the laws of Muksa. That in the laws of Shabbos, Yira Shamayim to be afraid of touching something that's Muksa. Let's say. A phone, an iPhone on Shabbos? 
That if we would have our Jewish glasses on and we would really see the invisible and see the Ruchnius world to be a reality, well then, that phone, if touched on Shabbos, is a cancerous-causing object. It will cause cancer of the soul. That's what Muksa is. Because it makes the invisible world real. When Hashem says something to you, when you hear something in a halacha, when you learn Torah and you hear something, you see something, when you don't make it just abstract and in potential, but you make it into kinetic energy and you make it a reality that this is prohibited and it is something that is in my reality and I see the unseeable, I see Hashem, I see how he's talking to me, I see why that's prohibited and it makes a serious impact on you. That's Yerashamayim. I'm seeing the unseeable. I was thinking a proof to this concept could be the, right before the splitting of the waters by Az Yashir, when we were saved from the Egyptians, the Jewish people, they saw Hashem. Vayiru Yisrael. Vayar Yisrael. Asayyad Hagadoyla Asher Asabim Mitzrayim. Vayiru Am. And the seeing led to fear. And then Vayaminu Bashem. And then that all led to faith. But it all started with a real seeing. A type of seeing that was so undeniable that made seeing really be believing. So if we can do the first step of trying to make real the Ruchnius world, hopefully that will increase our fear of heaven. The Yira will lead to Yira. It will make us awestruck. We won't have to rely on our culture and mythos and values. But if I do that sin, heaven and hell is very real. Perhaps not like in the olden times when the philosophy was to dwell on the scariness of hell, but in a very moderate but serious way that this is prohibited and if I touch it, I will burn my hand. If I do that sin, God forbid, a horrible disease will afflict my soul. People were calling her Moshe Feinstein once. They needed him, and it was in the middle of davening, but they, it was an emergency, and he, 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 he wasn't coming for some reason. And, and, but they were, this, was, this was like something that really needed to be done. And afterwards, when, when davening was over, and they called him, and he came, they said, why weren't, why weren't you coming? He said, well, there was a person who was davening Shimona Esrei, and you're not allowed to walk in front of him, Shechina's Konegdo, and therefore... I couldn't. There was a wall there. Halacha is avant. Halacha is avant. Halacha is a wall, meaning it's real. Rabbi Bear saw when there were no animals walking past the walls of the sukkah, even though there was a little bit of a gap, but there was a halacha lamayshim isinai that there was using lovud, that these walls were extending and touching in the worlds of ruchnias of the halacha lamayshim isinai. He said, of course, there's no animals coming in the sukkah because there's a spiritual wall there. It's a wall. It's lovud. The spiritual, reward, the spiritual world becomes very real for the G'daylam. They see religion as reality. Maybe. Yira is very closely connected to Yira. Fear connected to see. So let's strive to make Halacha real. Strive to make Torah real. To make Ruchnius substantial. To become bona fide servants of Hashem and not 
just cultured Victorian high-class individuals because it seems it won't protect us from ourselves. We see how low the human being can sink. So, Avram's response, you know why I told you she was my sister? You know why you got into all this mess, Avi Melech? Because Rak ain Yiras Elohim ba Mokim Hazeh Vaharguni Aldavar Ishti. If there is no fear of heaven, then there is no telling what you will do. And you're hardly even a human being at all. So see Hashem. See his Tyra. Make it a reality. And let us all increase our fear of heaven. Kill them, get the sheep. Kill them, my evening, kill them, baby.